Hello, if you have a phone, would you like to turn to John chapter 16? If you're reading from the Bibles in the chair in front of you, would you turn to page 1084, which is John chapter 16, and I'm going to start reading at verse 16. John chapter 16 and verse 16. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I'm going to the Father, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to my Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming, and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Thank you, Valerie. Hello, my name's Andrew. Um, it's my honor just to say a little bit about this Bible passage. What I'm going to do uh, now is going to be short. I sense the unbelief in the room, <laughs> but it really is going to be short. But Because we've heard what Sophie says, we've heard what Mohammed says, We've heard what Hossein says, 
And now just for a few minutes at the end of our service, we're going to hear what Jesus says. Because what Sophie and Mohammed and Hossein have in common is that they are trusters in Jesus. They believe in Jesus. And so let's listen to what Jesus says. Just have a look with me as an introduction at verse 16 here. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Now the disciples didn't understand that, but Jesus is actually talking about his death and his resurrection. He's going to say, I'm, I'm going to die. He's saying, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise to life again. And that is the center of the Christian faith. We've heard it in these stories that we've heard this evening, haven't we? The center of the Christian faith is that Jesus came into the world, the eternal Son of God. He died on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead. In this passage, Jesus promises three things to people who decide to trust in him. This is important for Sophie and for Mohammed and for Hossein. It's important for all of us who are trusters in Jesus, and it's important for all of us who are thinking about trusting in Jesus. Let's look at these three things. Firstly, in verses 19 to 24, Jesus promises joy. Just have a look at verse 20, please. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. He's talking about the cross. He's saying, many people will be glad when I'm crucified, when I die on the cross. Many people are going to be happy about that, but you will grieve because I'm your friend and I'm your Lord. But look at the end of verse 20. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. He's talking about his resurrection. He's talking about the fact that he's going to be raised to life three days later. Look at verse 22. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Jesus is talking about, his, about the joy that disciples will experience when they experience that Jesus has risen from the dead. Let me tell you why they experience joy. There are two reasons. One is because Jesus was alive. That was just wonderful. A wonderful surprise for the disciples. They were delighted. But let me tell you another reason, and this is incredibly important. When, they, when Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples were filled with joy because the resurrection is the proof that the cross has worked. The resurrection is the proof that Jesus really has paid the price for our sins. Jesus died on the cross. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, we wouldn't know if Jesus had paid the price for our sins. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, we wouldn't know if we could be forgiven by trusting in Jesus. So when God the Father raised the dead Jesus to life, that was God saying to everybody, He's done it. Jesus has done it. He's paid the price. He has taken the punishment for the sins of the world onto his shoulders. Now you can be forgiven if you trust in Jesus. That's why the disciples were filled with joy. And we can be filled with joy too. That's the first thing Jesus promises if we trust in him. 
joy. The second thing, it's in verses 25 to 28, and it's love. I'm just going to read one verse to you, verse 27. Jesus says, The Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Now let me tell you what verse 27 does not mean. Have a look at verse 27, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God loves us if we love him first. That's not what Jesus is saying. The Bible's very clear that God loved us before we ever thought about God. God loved us before we even existed. He knew your name before you were even born and he loved you. God loved first. Uh, John, who wrote this gospel, in one of his letters in the New Testament, he said, we love God because he loved us first. That's 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. No, no, that's not what verse 27 means. No, what it means is, when we are loved by God and we realize that Jesus has died for our sins and risen again, we are so thankful that we start loving God, don't we? We are so grateful to God, we start loving him. And when we love God, God allows us to experience his love in our hearts. This is not just something in our heads, it's something in our hearts. It's an experience of experiencing God's love. I'm praying that for Sophie and for Mohammed and for Hossein. I'm praying that for everybody here who's a truster in Jesus, that we will experience the love of God in our hearts. Wouldn't you like to experience that? That's what Jesus is offering to us in verse 27. It's what he's promising those who put their trust in Jesus. Two down, one to go. Jesus promises joy. He promises love. And thirdly, in verses 29 to 33, he promises peace. I'm only going to read one verse again. Look at the last verse of the chapter, verse 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Jesus offers peace. Now, someone who puts their trust in Jesus, someone who decides to follow Jesus, has peace with God. They're forgiven. We're forgiven now and forever. But what Jesus is offering here is an experience of peace so that we can actually experience his peace in our hearts. And we need that. Sophie and Mohammed and Hossein need that because life is not always easy, is it? Life is sometimes very hard. Jesus says it, in this world you will have trouble. That's verse 33 again. But take heart, says Jesus, I have overcome the world. Jesus is greater. Jesus has everything in his hand. Jesus is, has everything under control. And therefore he can give us his peace so that we know that Jesus is in charge. Jesus in is in charge of our world. Jesus is in charge of our lives. Jesus is in charge of everything. Those are the three things Jesus promises. It's 
very simple, but it's incredibly exciting to me. And he promises these things because he's the eternal son of God and because he died on the cross and rose again. Just think about those three things. Do you experience those three things? Joy. Joy because you know that Jesus paid the price for your sins on the cross. Love. Love because you know that God loved you so much that he gave Jesus to die for you. And peace. Peace because you know that your whole life is in God's hands and that Jesus is greater than everything. Do you want those things? Do you want to open your heart up to Jesus the way Sophie has done, the way Mohammed has done, the way Hussein has done? Then open your heart to Jesus. You can say to Jesus this evening, thank you that you died on the cross so that I could be forgiven. Thank you that you died so that I could be God's friend now and forever. I open my heart to Jesus. And I'm asking Jesus to come into my life. Do you want to make that decision? Do you want to put your trust in Jesus and ask him to give you the forgiveness that you need? And then you will experience joy love and peace. It is a wonderful adventure 